Good evening. Welcome to Ash Wednesday. I always don't, I don't know what to say on Ash Wednesday. Happy Ash Wednesday. Probably not. You don't say that usually. But anyway, we're so glad you guys are here um, to observe this uh, kind of strange holiday with us. So before we get started, let me um, pray. Um, God, give us open ears so you would speak to us tonight. God, create in us new and contrite hearts. I pray that um, you will teach us to confess our sins, that upon confessing we can find your grace even more full, more abounding than we could have imagined. Thank you so much for your grace through your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Um, I have a quick question for you guys. Um, I'm trying to sell a debate. Sunsets or sunrises? Who thinks sunsets are better? Anybody? Okay. Who, how about sunrises? That's really close. One, two, three. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. So um, it's, a, it's a hard one, right? So uh, sunsets, of course, have their own kind of special feeling. But I've lately become a really big fan of sunrises. And especially since moving, um, this was you know, years ago, but moving to Roanoke. Um, have you guys noticed that sunrises uh, in the mountains are especially beautiful? You notice that? If you live somewhere else, you know what I'm talking about. Um, so some might say I've gotten kind of deep into the sunrise game, and here's why. Um, I have little kids in the house, and little kids wake up early and ready to roll. Like, they wake up so early, and I was like, Dad, 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 let's go do something. And so um, I just in the habit of, like, if the weather's nice, I just, like, throw them in the stroller and give them some Cheerios, and we go for a run. And that's kind of my morning routine, as the weather's nice. In the winter, it's a cold, sad time. Um, <laughs> So, but a sunrise is kind of like a silver lining, because it's like, okay, I'm up at 6 o'clock, but like, at least the sunrise is beautiful, right? So I've got this picture up here. I took this, sunrise, this picture at the very top of the hill, the, of the, um, of the mountain where, in the neighborhood where I live, at uh, Sugarloaf Mountain. And um, I love this, I told you I got deep in the sunrise scene. I love this, like, stage of the sunrise, because it's this contrast of, like, the cold, dark mountains with, like, this dawning light that's to come. It's just like hope for something like great that's about to come. But it's not quite there yet. But you can see it. It's a little bit starting to come. Um, and uh, so Ash Wednesday and the following season of Lent are a little bit like a sunrise. Because Lent, you might know, is just the, the church season that it comes after Ash Wednesday before, before Easter. It's roughly 40 days-ish. Um, there's debates about these things. Um, and as we, we eagerly wait for Easter... We remember why Jesus had to go to the cross. As we eagerly wait for Easter, we remember um, why Jesus had to go to the cross. So one of this, the theologians I read calls it a bright sadness. Because it's this time to, um, we know something good is coming, but we're going to not celebrate preemptively. We're going to wait and sit kind of in the place we are now and remember, why is, why, what, what put Jesus on the cross? Um, so here's the question, though. Why would we go through trouble, the trouble of, like, looking at our own sin? Why not just skip right to Easter, right? Why, why, why would we do that? Is it so we can, like, feel bad about ourselves, right, or be afraid? Or maybe it's, um, maybe it's to strategize about how I can become, like, a better new me, right? Maybe if I, if I think about it enough, I can come up with a good enough answer to make myself a better person, um, the point of, of this season of confession, really, isn't just behavior modification. Um, we confess, 
We agree with God about our sin so that he can forgive our sin. This is only by acknowledging our sin that we can be saved. Um, it's like a person in, in a recovery group. They admit the first step is you admit you have a problem, right? Or it's like a drowning person calling for help. Or it's like a sick person saying, you know what? I got to go to the doctor. It's time. Um, so Lent is a time for God to, to ask God to search us and to show us our areas of sin so that we can confess those sins to him and that we can experience his forgiveness. It's a time to humble ourselves and to open our hands to receive his gift. <clears throat> That's why I love the prayer we just prayed. Um, Quig just said this, create and make in us new and contrite hearts that we may obtain, I'm skipping some parts, that we may obtain of you perfect remission and forgiveness of sins through Jesus Christ our Lord. So, okay, you're like, okay, too many big words. Here's in the common speech. God, help me to see my sin so I can confess it to you and experience true forgiveness and life change through Jesus Christ. So here's the thing. You're not required to do anything special for Lent. This might be the only thing you wanted to do, but it's a wonderful opportunity to ask God to search you and to give you a new heart so you can confess and experience true forgiveness and the new life that Jesus offers. Um, so here's my goal for this evening. I don't want to just have like, uh, a 15-minute long sermon like send you on your way. What I want you to do, I want us to do is to give you like a, a pattern or a mindset to keep throughout Lent so that it can become a more meaningful um, season for you. Um, because if we are sick and we need a doctor, we don't just need a shot of pain medicine, right? It's no good. What we need is to be in touch with the one who can actually heal us um, and then also to follow his directions to live a healthy lifestyle. So in real terms, we don't need just, just a 15-minute sermon. What we need um, is Jesus' saving grace and his power of the Holy Spirit to enable us to live new lives and to encounter him daily through prayer. So that's what I want to cultivate this morning. I want to cultivate a lifestyle of turning to Jesus. So before I get to some application for Lent, I want to walk through a couple um, funny parts of the service because we do a couple of strange things tonight. Like, it's so weird. Um, I love these symbols, and I love digging into them, because the more I learn about them, the more meaningful they are for me. Um, so um, we're going to do a strange thing where you guys know you guys are here, you know what we're going to do. Put the ashes, what is it? The ashes and the cross on our forehead, okay? Um, how do you all feel about that? Any thoughts on this? Yes, Elijah, I love it. This is an excellent thought. And I hadn't thought of that until just now. So, he, so his, his question was, I don't, I don't want to say it because I don't have an answer for you off the cuff. So he said, if we mark ourselves with a cross, thanks, Elijah. Um, if we mark ourselves with a cross, aren't we just like the verse we just read and we'll already receive our award? Good point. So um, the, the point of, of, the, of the marking of the, ash, of the cross, the thing is we're doing it at nighttime. So all you got to do is just go home. So you can't show it off to anybody. It's... Some churches do it in the morning, and then I don't know. No, I'm not sure. That, that, that's great. I love, I love that questioning hard. That's awesome. Um, so the ashes um, are this, like, it's kind of like a sad thing, right? Like, I was explaining to my son this morning. I was like, okay, today's Ash Wednesday. And he's like, okay. And I was like, what do, what do you like? How do ashes make you feel? And he was like, oh, I don't know. I'm like, is it kind of like, it's kind of cold and sad, right? And he's like, yeah, it's like cold and sad. It's just, yeah. Okay. Um, so, um, 
So here's the thing. Um, ashes are actually rooted in this rich biblical tradition. You see it a lot in the, in the Old Testament especially because it speaks of God's people repenting in dust and ashes. And what they used to do, maybe we should go back to this, is they would just sprinkle it on their heads as a sign of, of mourning and of grief. Um, and this image is kind of weird, but the symbolism kind of makes sense. I almost want to, want to explain it to you. Like ashes are the sign of destruction and, and sadness and coldness. And, um, and so the ashes are the sign of like mourning and grief. Um, they're also a sign of our mortality because what we're going to do is we're going to mark you with the ashes. We'll say these words. Remember that you are dust and to dust you shall return. And so these ashes, they're also a sign of repentance. So we got grief, mortality, and repentance. Does anybody know where the ashes are traditionally, where they traditionally come from? You guys do know this. Okay, awesome. So the, traditionally they come from the previous year's palm branches. Okay, so you guys remember Palm Sunday when, um, when it's the Sunday before Easter and we all get palm branches. It's all the kids' favorite. It's my favorite too. Um, and we, we yell like, you know, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is you, comes in the name of the Lord. And remember that when Jesus walked in Jerusalem, that's what they did for him. And it sounds really nice, but it's actually this like kind of heartbreaking service because you know what's coming. You know what's coming because the same voices that called out for, for Hosanna, Hosanna, we love you. The same exact people are saying, crucify him, crucify him a week later. And so what it does is it reminds us of we also have, inc have inconsistent and fickle hearts as well. And the only way we can expect to be anything but, du but dust is by a gift of the Holy Spirit. So the ashes are the sign of repentance to say, God, like, I know that I'm, that I, I'm, I'm dust and I need you. Please work in me. Like, like David says, create me a new heart, God. And the good thing is that he promises to do so. The sign of the ashes isn't supposed to make you feel afraid. Like, I hope we didn't have good stuff this year. It's supposed to remind us. Because um, what shape are the ashes in, by the way? It's not just like a, like a mark. What shape are they in? They're, in? they're in the sign of the cross. So look at this. The ashes are the sign of destruction. And they take the form of this thing that was supposed to destroy as well. They take the form of the, of the cross. But we know that Jesus wasn't destroyed on the cross. What well, was? our sin and death itself was destroyed on the cross. So the ashes are this reminder of um, our guilt paid for. And they're a reminder that death itself is destroyed on the cross. And that should encourage us, right? It's this two-sided thing of we repent, yes, but we're also hopeful. It's like a sunrise, right? It's like a sunrise, like, ah, this stinks for right now, but I'm waiting for it to get better. I'm waiting for the, for the end. So, um, so like waiting for a sunrise during Lent, we take an inventory and we realize our need for a savior. And this trains us to look for the joy and the victory of Easter. Not just the actual day, the day is great, but what the day stands for, Jesus and his resurrection. And then also this, this habit of taking a yearly time to repent actually trains us to more repentant people throughout the rest of the year as well. Um, so... Um, so here's a couple ideas for you this year. And I'm looking at the clock and I'm going over because I got off on, I got off on pre preacher mode. So um, here we go. Um, a, couple, a couple ideas to, to, for you this Lent. Um, one is to take this as a unique opportunity to repent. Of course, we repent every day, or I do, you should. We repent every day of our sins, often. But this is a unique time to take a, kind of a deep inventory. 
Um, and maybe you use um, a psalm from the Bible as a starting point. And in a moment, we're going to read Psalm 51 together. Maybe you use that as your starting point. This is um, David's, David's prayer after he takes Bathsheba and murders her husband. This is David's prayer where he's pleading like, God, my transgressions are always before me. Create me a new heart. I need your recreation, God. So maybe this is um, a template for you for prayer this year. Um, sometimes though, personally, I need even more guidance than that. And so what I've done in the past is um, if you look at your book, of the, uh, one of the things that's coming up is called the Litany of Penitence. Okay, it sounds so sad and it kind of is. Um, and it's, and it's just like this list of things that we need to repent of. And what if you took, you took this thing home and you used this for your quiet times. And on day one, you use just one word a day, God, forgive me for, for my unfaithfulness. Show me where I haven't trusted you. Day two, God, forgive me for my disobedience. Where have I, where have I strayed from your ways? Day three, forgive me for my pride. This is, this is, this hurts. <laughs> it hurts, but it's kind of like pulling a splinter out. Because you're way worse off if you leave it in, if you ignore it, right? This is the time where we remember our sin, not just to sit there and be sad, but to remember that Jesus does offer forgiveness to those who repent. He promises so. Um, another thing you might do um, is choose some kind of fast during Lent. And I know people like really get their hackles all raised about this because they, they see it as legalistic or something. And if that's you, that's fine. You don't have to do it. Like no one's got to do it. But you might choose something to fast from during Lent because fasting in its most simplest form is just removing something from your life and letting God to fill that space. Fasting is about removing something that we rely on and then um, allowing and then telling God like, I rely on these things too much. I need you to, to feel that, that, form, that place of comfort for me. Um, I got a quote for you from Marjorie Holmes. She says, in a more tangible, visceral way than any other spiritual discipline, fasting reveals our excessive attachments and the assumptions that lie behind them. Fasting brings us face to face with how we put the material world ahead of its spiritual source. So a few quick ideas for things you might fast from. And again, this isn't to punish yourself. And it's not to earn some kind of favor with God. This is just between you and God to create some space for him. So you might fast from some kind of entertainment, maybe um, something that takes up a lot of your time and you fill that time with something else, prayer, reading, listening, walking. I don't know. Um, you might fast from something that you enjoy. Um, maybe something that you're tempted to take into excess, like, sugar, alcohol, caffeine, some kind of food. These things aren't bad. We all know we can take these things too far. And so fasting is a, is a chance to, to cut back and say, God, I rely on you and say these things for comfort. Um, another idea is you can fast from something that reminds you of others' needs. I knew of someone in one year who decided, this is kind of funny, she decided she was going to wear just one pair of shoes all, all through Lent and not change her shoes every day. And it sounds silly, but actually it was uncomfortable for her, right? And every day when she had to put on the same boring pairs of shoes, she remembered like more shoes than most people have, you know, uh, more people, shoes than white people have. And um, it reminded her to give this generous, this generous posture. You might give up going out to lunch or coffee and donate that money to a cause. Okay, lastly, you might choose to do something crazy. You might choose to fast from food. What? <laughs> you might choose to do that. Um, and again, this isn't some kind of punishment or something. This is just creating space in your life. It's a time to be weak and say, God, I'm weak. I need you because you're the only one that's actually strong. 
So um, none of these are rules. And if you mess up, God's not mad at you. And if you only do it for a little bit of time, it's fine. Um, but it's just this, this chance to listen to God. So you might say, I don't need a season to do that. I can just repent and fast as I feel led. And you should repent and fast throughout the Christian year, throughout the rest of the year. But this is kind of like, it's kind of like the oil change light and, or the oil change sticker in your car, right? It's like a reminder for you, take a season to do this. Um, okay, so um, this yearly pattern of humbling ourselves actually makes us more, more the type of people who humble ourselves and seek the Lord throughout the year. So I have one more story for you guys. Um, I'll never forget the Lent where I long for Easter in a really special way. Um, Lent of 2020, you guys remember this? It was like the Lent that never ended. I mean, you know. And so um, it was a tough season. We were stuck at home. We were uncertain how things would work out. And I remember I, would, I, I got into the awful habit of like snapping at my kids a lot. And I would, um, my frustration would bubble over and get redirected at the little people in my house. It was so not right, so messed up. And um, I remember during Lent, like this was a season of Lent where I'm like confessing, like, God, like I need you to like, change my heart. And I remember on Easter morning, for some reason, no one was awake. And I woke up really, really early before sunrise. And uh, it was like Mary and Martha going to the tomb to see Jesus. And I just got my shoes and, and took off. And I went to the top of the mountain um, and I got there panting and wheezing. And it was this like experience of like, God, I'm so weak, I need you. And I remember praying like, ah, God, I need you to remake me. I need that sunrise. I need that dawning hope in my life. And um, so this is the sunrise that I found. Can you get to it? There we go. And uh, this was all so real to me in this, in this moment of that Jesus sees our brokenness and he wasn't content to sit by and let us remain as dust. Instead, he entered into a mess and he bore all the evil that we unleash against each other. And then he sat in the cold, dark grave for three days, like the mountains in the picture that I showed you. But he was too powerful. He was too good for death to hold him. And after three long days, the huge stone was rolled away and the man Jesus stepped out of the grave, proving that he was more powerful than death itself that his love was more powerful than, than the, worst, and the worst weapon the enemy had could throw at him. And he came out and said, um, and he told his disciples to go and make disciples of all nations and tell them about his love that conquered death and tell them about his new life that can begin for them right now, but eventually comes into full fruition for eternity. So um, this Lent, what will you do to create space in your life to listen for, to the Lord? What can you do to make yourselves hungry or miss something so you can learn what you're actually hungry for, what you're actually missing? Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your forgiveness you offer through Jesus. We need you, God. We need you to remake our hearts. Give us hearts that turn to you often, maybe especially during this season. I pray that in this room right here that you would bring to light some kind of hidden sin that someone might have or a blind spot, that during this season be a special time where they say, uh, that was the first time I noticed this about myself. And they wouldn't just sit in sadness, but they'd remember that you forgive sins and that you offer new life to all who trust in you. You're so amazed by the girl for us. Amen.